He has his own podcast. What is it, y'all? Get my shit together. Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. I hope your week is off to a great start, and I hope this sounds okay with a space heater in the room. Just because I, I, I started with such energy and conviction, I'm not even going to check to see if the space heater is causing issue with the audio quality of today's podcast, because time is limited. Energy is surging. Podcast underway. Hope your week is off to a great start. Hope you had a long, restful, reflective weekend. I appreciate you joining the podcast because you realize this is a podcast where the host actually knows something. (laughs) There are so many fucking dopes out there talking on podcasts, I believe. Because I hear people say all the time, oh, I heard on a podcast. And what they heard is just utter nonsense. And I can offer you the same, but hopefully I can do it with a bit of a comedic bent. And you know what? I'm also not trying to push an agenda on you. Am, am I? Am I starting to am I bug you? Am I starting to bug you? I appreciate you listening. Thank you to the new listeners. Thank you to people who are leaving comments on Instagram about the podcast. My man, Tony Tiger. Is that how I say that? I hope it is. You're welcome to immerse yourself into the GMAT universe, as, as it were. We, we haven't heard from... LNC in some time. I hope she is well. Uh, but Tony left a nice comment that popped up on my Instagram feed about how he's enjoying the podcast so far. I met him the other night at a show and I was like, hey, dude, thanks for listening. I'm glad you enjoyed my set. By the way, here's a coaster that says, I'm embarrassed to say, I listened to the Getting My Act Together podcast with Yes Joe Smith. So appreciate you, Tony. Appreciate Anybody who spreads the good word of the podcast, I appreciate anyone who leaves a five-star review. I appreciate you if you don't, okay? I want to be clear about that, and I don't want this to be a a podcast where I just whore myself out for 40 minutes. But I appreciate those of you who don't leave a review because you stick to your guns. No one is going to move your gelatinous body, your sloth-like mentality to cross the line and say, you know what, I'm going to help this guy out by leaving him a review like 15 underscore versus underscore 15 does all the time. I've told you before, I respect people who stick to their guns and say, I'm not going to help this podcast. But I really not only respect, but appreciate and value the people who do leave five-star reviews. Again, Tony and anyone else new to the podcast. I'm not talking about reviewing the podcast. That's not what the public forum is. If you have issue with the podcast, email me at yesjoesmith at gmail.com. <laughs> Tell me where the podcast falls short. Tell me where you say, hey, man, I wish you would have stuck to that point. Or you just have a touch of a format. Do a little recap of how things have been. Do a current event. And then do some other theme at the end. That's fine. What the iTunes, the Apple podcast reviews are for are simply five stars. They are not to share your insights. (laughs) And Tony, this precedes your listenership, my comments right now. But there was a a darker time in the podcast existence where I met a guy at a comedy show and we were talking about the podcast and he said, oh, I'll check it out. And then he went to, I said, yeah, it'd be great, man, if 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 you could. I didn't want to beg. If you could, would you mind leaving a five-star review? <clears throat> Excuse me. Jeez Louise. And he did not. He took 
the interpret of what I was saying to him. In the spirit of telling him a lot of stuff about comedy, he took the advice, uh, or he interpreted what I said as, review the podcast, provide thorough and critical feedback in a, Tony, check this out, a four out of five star review. What are you doing, man? You're saying it's a B minus? You're saying I'm 80%? You fucking dope. And Tony, check this out, on his review, and, and here, I don't care what review, you notice I'm just, I'm criticizing the, uh, the form. No, I'm criticizing the content as well. <laughs> I don't want to say I'm not sensitive to my critics. I'm, I'm just, uh, I don't really think I am. But what this guy said is, what the guy did is left a four out of five star review. You could say anything after that, and it's galling that he did. This is an old grave I'm rape, raking up, raping up. I'm raking up an old grave here, Tony. The guy left a four out of five star review. After I, you know, felt like I answered a lot of fucking questions for him one night at a comedy club about doing stand-up comedy, he left a four out of five star review, which already is just jank. If you're not going to leave a five star review, at least show me the goddamn respect and leave a one star review like one person did. But in his review, he had the gall to suggest uh, I get a co-host like Aaron Rodgers on the podcast. And that is when the Getting My Act Together universe rose up as one and really at the vanguard, at the very bleeding edge of the formation of Getting My Act Together troops was 15 underscore versus underscore 15 saying, dude, we don't want to hear from Aaron Rodgers. We like people who graduated from college. Sorry, we like people who respect the scientific method. Sorry, we like people who are critical thinkers. And by critical thinking, we don't say that just dismisses everything you don't understand because it's novel and inconsistent with your values and your harebrained, lunatic podcast, yet such a big part of the bro culture zeitgeist worldview. You know what I mean? That's what 15 said. 15 said, yeah. I don't want to speak for 15. But look, I'm not going to, you know what you get out there with mainstream. The mainstream has to appeal to the greatest number of people. And uh, more often than not, it's going to be a, enough dopes. In the, there's going to be a lot of dopes. So anyway, Tony, this knucklehead left a 4 out of 5 review. Don't do that. If you don't want to leave a review, please don't. But uh, the 4 out of 5 review, I think, says more about the reviewer than it does the podcast. The ones and the fives I can live with all day. I have so much comedic energy. And it's probably correlated perfectly with my lack of opportunity to perform stand-up comedy in San Diego. But I am, I am, I have bits surging through me. I've been going to grinder open mics, doing new bits, and they're working in just some of the most dead environments. And it's a real shame that I don't have a Las Vegas residency right now or a residency at any one of the comedy clubs in San Diego, California, because my act is really coming together and I don't have a, I just don't have a place to unveil it right now. However, conversations are afoot with 
clubs in San Diego and outside of San Diego to accelerate that a little bit better. <clears throat> and I'm going back into the clip machine. I have so many clips that need to be chopped up, as I've discussed with you, so many clips that need to be chopped up and put on Instagram that I have um, finally have a moment because I don't have, I was home from um, Border X Brewing last night at like 8.30. And you know what I did with that remaining time? Remaining, I hate to say it, like two hours. That's where I am now, going to bed at what kind of, like 11, 11.30. I'm going. To, I'm listening to old sets, watching old sets, and I'm sending them to my um, ally, my busy to me. My, you know what he is? He's my video editor, and his name is Mahadi, and he's in Bangladesh, and I pay him to chop up these clips and put text on them, so you can see me having a, a go with the crowd or telling a joke or whatever it is. So those are going to be coming up. I'm going to start putting those up with a little more regularity just because I have the time to two things. I have so much, I hope. <laughs> I have so many clips I think would be worthy of Instagram. And when you see them on there, I'm not this is not the shameless shameless plug podcast, but if you see them on there, share them to your story. Tell some send them to a coworkers. Hey, dude, this is funny. Just copy the link to it. You don't have to say follow this guy and all that stuff. Just so, hey, this is a guy whose podcast I listen to. Or this is the guy I was telling you about. Do I have to hold your hand <laughs> to show you how to help me enhance my career in stand-up comedy? But I found a couple uh, a couple good clips last night. I was having a, a go with some bears in a crowd in Atlanta and uh, some drunk woman who threatened to take her shirt off and you know, things that the kids might want to watch just sitting around the Yuletide log on Christmas Eve. So, what am I going to do today? Today's Tuesday morning. I'm going to call the comedy store. I'm going to try to get in the bucket. Well, I'll get in the bucket. I won't get up, probably. It doesn't matter. I'm still going to... might even go up there. might even go up to the comedy store, show my face, say, hey, do you have a drop spot just in case... Sorry, we don't do that. Okay, no worries. Uh, and then I'll sit there and I'll watch the beginning of the open mic for a little bit and the person will come out and say, uh, are you all ready for the show? Okay, make a lot of noise and that'll be the crowd having been warmed up. Uh, but I'm, 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 I'm positive, optimistic. You hear it. You hear it, Tony. You hear it. Former prosecutor in Central Jersey. I can't, you can't stop Will. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm energetic. Clips will be coming out. Uh, my bits are flowing through me. My bits are flowing through me. And uh, was having had a good time at Border X Brewing last night where the host and slash financial advisor, Brandon, is so sweet that he texts me to say, are you coming? <laughs> like oh, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, shit, it sounds pretty dead. I better get down there before he closes up. And if, you know, if you are a San Diego comic, why aren't you at Border X supporting that place? You can do time on a Monday night, and it couldn't be more centrally located. It's in Barrio Logan. Leo behind the bar with a smile. Brandon hosting the show. Uh, someone who went up at the very end, as it turns out, I wasn't the last person going. Someone who went up at the very end, she said last night that she said, uh, she, said she, she told everybody, she got everybody, all six of us, 
that she just got booked on her first comedy show ever. That's where I am, by the way. But she was, she's like, I just got booked. And she said, I can't believe it. <laughs> she said, I can't believe it. And I wasn't thinking to myself, oh, man, that is going to be a real show. But I was really happy for her. And, you know, that's part of the community. You, you get out there, you tell people what you're doing, you tell your bits, and you say, uh, hey, we're, we're, we're pushing forward on Moss as a group. So congratulations to that woman who, uh, who, got, her, who got her first thing, who got her first, uh, who had her first period. Who got booked on her first show? That's a big deal. And it, it got me thinking about the first show I was ever booked on. And I can't remember what it was. <clears throat> I cannot remember what it was. I didn't try that hard to think about it. I can't remember the first show I was ever booked on. It took me a while to figure out what I was doing. Still taking me a while. Any, any case. It got me thinking about you know, having a podcast and promoting myself and how I said a minute ago that there are huge podcasts where your audience is in the millions and you show up to theaters and, you know, there will at some point be a lowest common denominator on those populations. But what I was really thinking about is I hear comics talking about how it's really different when you play to a room of people who are there to see you. And I only know that at a microscopic level. I mean, I've done shows where maybe 10 people in the room have acknowledged they've seen me before uh, or saw I was on the lineup or saw I was working that night and decided to go. By no means am I trying to say like 50 people came to see me or 100. If, if, if 50 people came to see me in every city, uh, pretty soon I'm going to be headlining comedy clubs. So spread the goddamn word. That's the only thing that matters in this business or any other is can you put butts in the seats? Can you put butts in the seats? That's all the airline cares about, okay? How many miles, how many dollars can they get out of your goddamn seat? <clears throat> they don't care what you look like, what you sound like, who you support politically, airlines or comedy clubs. Can you get people in the door? That's the only thing that matters to me and anybody else who does stand-up comedy. Not to us, right? To the people who book comedy clubs. That is all I want to do. I just want to, you've heard me say, I want to crush Thursday through Saturday. I want to kiss my daughter. I want to kiss my wife. And I want the people to laugh and say, dude, that was hilarious. Thank you so much. Um... But the only thing that matters to bookers is can you get people in the building? I don't know that uh, that's, that's it. <clears throat> that's why if you're a TikTok star, Instagram star, YouTuber, whatever, and you're a grisly old comic like, ah, oh, this guy doesn't know how to do stand-up, it doesn't fucking matter. All that matters is how many people can get in the seats. And if you do that, the clubs, oh my gosh, no, he's great to work with. We love Joe. He's wonderful. He's a sweet guy. If, he, if I'm not getting any people in the building, they're like, I don't know, man, he's kind of a pain in the ass. He keeps hitting me up via email saying, hey, do you still want me to headline? Or, hey, I see you don't have that date filled. Do you need a headliner? I'll come headline your club. 
Oh, man, I need to move tickets. I need to move tickets. Okay, no worries. I totally get it. <clears throat> I can't put 300 people in a room right now. But you can help me do that. The only thing that matters. And, and that's why the club would like me. Clubs. A lot of people that work at, at, at comedy clubs like comedy. And, I, and I, it's weird that I have to say that. But you go to a lot of comedy clubs. And you're like, does anybody here fucking like comedy? There are a lot of people. <laughs> Maybe this is inside baseball for Central Jersey former prosecutors and, and other people who don't do stand-up comedy. But... There are a lot of people in stand-up that are not the business owners. And even the biz, some of the business owners like stand-up comedy and like the forum. And I mean that in a gladiatorial um, literature salon way. Here we're going to talk about the ideas and issues and make fun of them and shine light, as they say, into the darkest corners of the human experience. We're going to be claustrophobic in a dark room while someone is engaging our minds and our hearts too. As, as um, oh my gosh, his name escapes me right now. As you ask a group of strangers to have a spontaneous physical reaction. That's pretty, pretty cool. There are people that care about that. There are a lot of people, clubs, that don't care about that and just care about tickets. Just care about seats. But if you don't economically put people in the seats, the business cannot last. So I'm not at war with the idea of, oh, my God, it's how many followers. I need more followers. I don't know how many followers I have. Somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500. That's, that's child's play. I need 50, 100, 150,000 followers. And then I'm getting into, and then I'm headlining comedy club. Then I'm like, oh, no, Joe's great to work with. Oh, I love having him. He's great with the staff and all that stuff that I am. But if I'm not moving seats, that moving tickets, then they're going to put on that dark lens that says, hey, he's a fucking smartass, dude. He's talking shit about the furniture. And, you know, he's always emailing me about... It's all about how we perceive the world. I sell tickets. You perceive me favorably. I don't sell tickets. <laughs> you're not as kind in your interpretation. <clears throat> All of those biggest podcasts, those guys who don't know anything, but they just talk and you like them and that's great. And part of part of what works for them is it's provocative edgelord stuff. And then there are other huge podcasts where they don't say a goddamn thing. And you're watching a comic sell out a fucking arena or a stadium and not make one comment about the events of the days. And you're like, God... It sure seems to be a lot easier when you don't ever say anything that might be provocative. You know what I mean? Like you just make dick jokes for two hours and you're crushing? That, that looks fun. Because it's like every bit I have, I'm trying to push something, not to get the audience. I'm saying something they could disagree with. Whatever. I'm the greatest. I'm not trying to say that. Nothing happens without the support of you. That's why the four out of five review doesn't matter. But I was thinking about it. So you, so you have so the comics get enormous, right? They're doing arenas and stadiums. And there can only be so much edge in your act before you turn people off one way or the other. What it got me thinking about and what started this long kind of ranty thing that I'm on right now is I've heard comics talk about how it changes when the people in the room are there to see you. 
And that set me off on my... I don't know what that's like to have a drop. You can help with that. LNC was a draw when I was in Atlanta. She came to my shows. She brought people. She came to What's Your Problem? LNC is exactly how it's supposed to work. LNC saw me at the punchline years ago. Punchline in Atlanta. She heard me say something about the podcast. She checked it out. Apparently... Something clicked with her in the podcast. She listened to it. I was at a show at the Laughing Skull Lounge. I've to, this, this is detailed on the podcast history, but for people like Tony who are new, Tony the Tiger, someone I was talking to someone after a show, and she came up to me afterward and mentioned in passing, oh, um, 15 underscore says hello or something like that. And it was an out-of-body experience for me where the only way anybody in my universe, in the universe, candidly, could know about 15 underscore versus underscore 15 would be if they listened to this podcast. And this was a person standing in front of me I'd never seen in my life saying, I listen to the podcast. I mean, I'd seen her, I guess, at the punchline, but I didn't have a strong memory of her. And I was like, oh, it was amazing. And we hugged and took pictures. And, and then she supported me. That's ex this is exactly how it's supposed to work. I, at the end of, I have a good, you, you get into a club, you have a good set afterward, you feel like a schmuck saying, oh, hey, thanks, but, uh, you know, pull out your phone and follow me. We have to do that stuff because you all do not leave reviews unless we put a fork in your ass and tell you to do that. <laughs> I, you know, I had somebody come up to me the other night after an open mic. Dude, you're hilarious. I'm, this guy, Vic. Vic, if you're out there, let's go. Thanks for listening. Tell everybody you know. You know what I mean? Like, we have to do this. This guy, Vic, came up, man. He's like, you're hilarious. I was like, thanks. Are you on Instagram? This is me, Generation X. Publicize nothing. Jam the culture. And here I am saying, oh, hey, pull out your phone. I'm licking your boots. Pull out your phone. Open Instagram. Follow me. It's, it's absurd, but it is what it is, and it's the world in which we live, and I'm not mad. I'm not going back to TikTok, but I'm not mad. Instagram, Zucker, Cucker, Zucker, what is Zuckerberg, and I are going to ride, and that's, that's that. I'm not going to TikTok. Why? Because I'm not nine, and fuck China. How about that? <laughs> fuck Zuckerberg and Silicon Valley and all that, too, but just, you know, I don't know. LNC sees, I, I, I work, this is exactly the story of life. This is exactly the story of, is it? Or is it just my example of some comedy story? Well, you tell me. I work on my little act. I get my jokes together. I tell them enough. I have some success doing that. I get positive reinforcement. I continue to write better and better jokes. I gain more confidence on stage. I go into the punchline years and years ago on a Sunday night, and uh, after doing a set at the Laughing Skull Lounge, I went to the Sunday night open mic, the comedy contest at the punchline. I was loose, didn't give a fuck, had a great set. Afterward, Marcy, my beloved Marcy, says, send me your avails, send me your avails. I, I won the comedy contest. They might have given me 100 bucks, and... 
then that's how you started working at the at the at the punchline. Send me your avails. And then sure enough, I'm hosting a show, and lo and behold, I have a good set. Ellen C there with her husband. Oh, I have a you know what? Years well, it was years later after I started uh, that I. I'm just trying to get the sequence right. It wasn't my first show at the Punchline that I saw LNC. But LNC later saw me at the Punchline when I had the podcast. Started listening to it, then started following me on social media, then started coming to my shows, then started uh, buying Limerick t-shirts, supporting the podcast, supporting What's Your Problem, telling her friends about it, getting people engaged. That's how it's supposed to work. That's how it worked with me and the band The Men. The Men. I don't know if they're a band anymore. They were from Brooklyn. This was probably 10-odd years ago. I heard them on Album 88, which used to was a great... It still is a great radio station run out of Georgia State, uh, but used to be able to hear it on the radio 24-7 until big uh, public radio, interestingly, killed little public radio in Atlanta. And there's a whole story you could read about that if you want. I heard the men playing on the radio, and I was like, holy shit. I, was, I can remember where I was when I heard the men, and I think the song I heard was called Pearly Gates. I remember where I was. I was getting off 75 North at Howell Mill Drive, and I was like, what is this awesome music? The men. I was like, what is this? And sure enough, the DJ came back on and said, and that was the men with Pearly Gates or whatever it is killer i went and bought the record tomorrow's hits is what it was called and i was like this is unbelievable a reviewer i read said it com- it was like a mashup of tom petty and dinosaur jr and that was a pretty good description of it by the way I hate to date the uh, reviewer with that one but that's what the person said so i went from listening to the radio <clears throat> excuse me listening to the radio Hearing this song that's amazing, finding out who it is, going, buying the record. This is some real old, this is some analog, how the men are like, dude, we don't care. We want to be on TikTok and, you know, have limousines and models and play arenas. Probably not because they're artists. They're not showmen. They're not influencers. I bought the men's record. And then... I saw that they're coming to play the Earl in Atlanta, the East, uh, East Atlanta Restaurant and Lounge, the Earl. And I went and saw them, and they were with Lee Baines and the Glory Fires, and they were with Seagulls, and I'm pretty sure Seagulls was on the lineup. Maybe not. Maybe I just saw Steve from Seagulls there. Pardon me. If, if The lineup I know is at least Nude Beach, Lee Baines and the Glory Fires, and the men. And there was one other band on there, and it might not have been Seagulls. It might have just been Steve from Seagulls there. And the men blew the doors off the place, as did all three of those bands that I mentioned. But the men just came out, and it was just like destruction for 40 minutes, and then they walked away without saying a goddamn word, which I love. I went and bought the men t-shirt, a green t-shirt, which you can see on some of my Instagram clips. And I went and bought the rest of the records. And I'm a fan for life. I don't know if they tour. I have a kid, you know. <laughs> I don't know if they still tour or not, but I should look. This is what we're going to title the podcast today, The Men. 
and I'm a fan for life. And you can see the green shirt that I'm wearing in some of those Instagram clips says the men. I've had people come up to me and say, <clears throat> excuse me, what is that shirt? What is that? I'm like, oh, you like rock and roll? You would love this band. And that's how it's supposed to work organically. And that's what you're supposed to do. That's what LNC did for the podcast. All of which is to say, the idea that you are playing for a bunch of people, like I said, the comics, a bunch of people who are on your side is different than playing for a bunch of strangers. And it's not like really a, a precipice I find myself teetering on, going from when I went to play that show in Little Italy the other day, nobody knew me. And I had a real good time. And now it's not like, well, tomorrow I'm going to be playing a theater. I'm going to be playing the Balboa Theater in San Diego. How's it going to be when everyone's there to see me? I don't know what that's like. But what I want to say about it is I love playing for... I, and I've heard comics say that they kind of miss that. You know, you kind of have to earn it. Uh, earn it a little bit more. You've earned it along the way by putting in the blood, sweat, and tears. <clears throat> but you have, to, you have to earn it playing in front of... Like if you're a feature going on the road with someone, you're going to get into a room where nobody knows who you are. You have to put your foot in it for 20, 30 minutes. Headliners, people usually know who they are and they might be inclined to you know, support you. I just... What started this long thing is me realizing I love playing for people that I don't know. Why do I like the harder thing? Is that fear of failure? Tell me, Captain. Was it something different? You remember at the end of the Hunt for Red October when he goes, why did you do it, Captain? Was it something deeper? <laughs> uh, I alone will have to answer for... As for the rest, Vasily, I alone will have to answer. Why do I like the harder journey? I don't know. Because people, you know what? Because the harder journey is going to make people complain. And if people complain, I like doing the thing people complain about because it makes me feel better about myself, I suppose. That's probably why it is. <laughs> what is kind of dumb, and it's really born of a luxury. It's born of being able to afford that grind as opposed to I have one cent left to my name. I have to go find a spot to make 25 or 50 bucks so I can eat tomorrow level of urgency where I'm like, no, I want to go to an open mic at the top of a brewery where all you can hear are the machines that make the beer being cleaned. And I'm going to tell my jokes to Vic and several other people. I don't know. It works out. I, I just like to say I like playing for people that don't know me. So keep that in mind. When I'm talking to you, podcast audience, I'm, keep, I, I'm thinking that I'm playing to people that know me, but I'm also playing to people who don't know me, like Tony, who just, who just arrived. And Tony, tell five people, for God's sake. <laughs> Tony's just arrived at the podcast, and I have a lot of requests of him. Yeah, I'm just surging with comedic energy and have nowhere... <laughs> I have no outlet for it. I've been doing things like, in addition to finding these clips, sending them to Mahadi in Bangladesh, I've been listening to sets. You know how many comics talk about, oh, I should listen to my sets? We all do it. I have probably, 
I have dozens, if not 100 to 200 sets that I haven't listened to on my phone, on my computer. But I've been listening to sets. That's what a, a craftsman, that's when I'm doing 20 minutes at Limerick, when I'm doing 10 minutes at the top of Laughing Skull Lounge last year, I'm not listening to my sets because I know I'm just going to go up tomorrow night and be able to air it out again. Try it a little bit differently on impulse and instinct. Instinct more than impulse, I should say. But listening to sets, everyone says you should do. It's brutal. It's awful. Uh, it works. I've been listening to sets, making tweaks, listening to open mic sets. You want to talk about something that really will uh, humble you. Listen to your sets from open mics when you are performing at the top of a brewery in an attic that nobody is, you know, nobody knows exists except the four performers and Vic, who's there to see comedy. Thank you. And taking those little things and tweaking them and then going telling them at the wine, wine place and wherever the hell it was in Little Italy or Border X Brewing. Listening to sets, believe it or not, actually makes a big difference. There's stuff in there. You can think, why didn't that work? And then you hear how you delivered it, and it's like the jokes are there. Oh, I didn't say it right. I didn't have the right energy. Or the joke is messed up. You should have set it up better because the audience, when the punchline comes, is doing too much math, meaning too much computation, I guess is a better way to say it. Trying to put together... Okay, he just said that. That means that changes the way I was thinking about that thing there, this thing there. Oh, I get it. Ha, ha, ha. And if you set it up better, comics, I have something written down. The better the premise, the better the joke. The more specifically you tell people what you're going to tell them, your joke is going to be an example of the premise. Don't you hate it when... And don't frame it like that. Don't you? You're asking the crowd. Frame it like this. I hate it when. And then here's a perfect example of that, which is called the setup. And then here are the punchlines, which should echo that point, but also upend your expectation. The better the premise, the more clearly you write it and show people where you're going and then pull the rug out from under them, the better the pop will be the greater the decibel, the higher the intensity. Comics who listen to this podcast, you don't want, ha ha, that was funny. You don't want, ha ha ha. You want laugh out loud, no breathers, falling into the streets, into the aisles, people jumping up and down. That's what you want. If you don't, you're not going to be, be able to follow the best. And why shouldn't you want that? But listening to the sets, like, I really did it. Like, oh my gosh, this does make a big difference. <laughs> it really helps me out. I'm, I, I could keep talking about comedy forever this morning, but I'm not going to do that to you. I have so much, uh, I'm like a, a bottle of, I'm, you know what, I'm like, I'm like Brett Michaels, comedically. I'm about to pop. Tony, I don't know if you're aware, Brett Michaels used to have a show called Rock of Love, where he had a bunch of uh, kind of stripper-esque characters come out to, uh, you know what they were? They were just hustlers. They were in L.A., they got on a reality show, 
and they won out and they might have to get, you know, chlamydia from Brett Michaels, but maybe they would get, you know, five minutes of fame that they would be able to parlay into having their own LNC who would tell their little partners about the person they saw on, uh, on Big Heather, they saw on Rock of Love. They're just hustlers. Good for them. But on Rock of Love with Brett Michaels, as the podcast audience knows, Brett would occasionally, they'd always cut to him after he had some interlude with a woman and he'd be very excited and he'd always, he always had a way of coming back and saying, I was about to pop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Brett was about to pop. And uh, that's kind of how I feel comedically. I have all this stuff, like my, I'm, I'm seeing the ball well, meaning like I, I can take the thing right that happened today, take it tonight, get something good out of it. I can uh, listen to it. I can tweak it. I can set it up better. I can bring more out of it. I have uh, confidence. I just, I need more of an outlet, but that's okay. It's coming. It's coming. I just stay positive. Stay optimistic, and it'll happen. I, I had a comedy room for five seconds that I lost. That's okay. I'll, get, I'll find one. I keep sending emails to people around saying it will be a great thing. You know what I mean? It will be good for the game because, I'm, anyway, I just have a lot of energy. So I could talk about it forever. I could talk about listening to sets. I could talk about, I was talking with some, I had a comedy conversation the other night after an open mic with, um, did I mention this? I might have mentioned this. <laughs> Did I mention? If I mentioned on a previous podcast, I apologize. But I was talking about with a junior comic who kind of said, like, um, kind of solicited a little bit of feedback. Like, I don't know, you know, what do, what do you suggest? Uh, and I, I, I wasn't even like that. Just somehow we were talking about confidence on... I was talking about when you go... You, uh, there's a place in a comedy journey where you go from asking the audience to find what you're saying funny to telling them this shit I'm saying is funny. And if you don't get that, you don't get that. And when you get to that place, it's like, this is the funniest shit around. If they're not laughing, they, feel, they almost feel like they're missing out. I'm just like all this, like my, my, my brain is percolating so much comedy. Well, I thought, oh, you know what it started? It started with that someone saying, like, well, I thought the audience would be like this or like that. And I was like, dude, f with all, the f fuck the audience. I mean that sincerely. I don't mean like screw them. I mean value them, of course, because they're giving you their most precious, precious resource, attention. They're giving you their time. They've spent money, or not in San Diego, they spent they spent money on food and drink and parking and babysitter. They didn't spend money at the door. But they are giving you a lot. I don't mean fuck, like, disregard that. I mean, who cares who they are? You go and tell your jokes. You go and do you. And yeah, uh, what, what is the, the way to think about it? Know your audience, but don't pander. Know your audience through your material, maybe. But don't go in with a pre. I don't think going in with a preconceived notion of what the audience is like. I think that puts you in a place where you're asking the audience for their approval, and that's not what it's about. It's about telling them to approve you. <laughs> it's always about seeking their approval. It's just how you go about doing that. Telling them, 
you should find this shit funny. So who cares with the audience? Who cares if they can read? If you have good jokes, it doesn't matter what you look like, how old you are, what your political persuasion is. I have found if you have good jokes, people will laugh. So don't ask them to find this funny. Just go tell them the funny. Does that make sense? I think it does. Uh, I have to jump because I want to put this up so it's out on time before I have a 9 o'clock Pacific call. So I encourage you to have a great week. Uh, leave as many five-star reviews for this podcast as you can. Get my followers up. Share my clips. Go through my Instagram. If you have nothing better to do, <laughs> go through my Instagram and share all those clips, okay? I need you to get to, you can be early adopters. You're one of the first whatever thousand people to listen to the podcast and to follow me on Instagram. I, I have to have a bunch of followers or I'm never going to. I'm never going to headline comedy clubs, okay? Thank you for the support. Tony, thanks for joining everyone else. LNC, I hope you are well, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.